you would please open your Bibles to the book of Daniel. You will recall that Nebuchadnezzar, that very powerful, very egotistical, demon-worshipping king that God had raised up to punish his people, had been humbled. Even though he still didn't fully get the picture, he was humbled by losing everything and spending seven years in insanity, living like an animal. But when he looked up and repented and gave honor to God, instead of thinking that everything was about him, God restored him. And he made a widely published declaration that the God who is the Most High God is to be honored and glorified. His dominion is an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing. He does as he pleases. With the powers of heaven and the peoples of the earth, no one can hold back his hand or say to him, what have you done? Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, this is the end of chapter 4, Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the king of heaven because everything he does is right and his ways are just and those who walk in pride he is able to humble. His son followed him as king. His son did not learn from his father's experience, from his father's humiliation, from his father's restoration, from his father's declaration. He he just didn't get it. His name was Belshazzar. And in chapter 5, this is God's word. King Belshazzar gave a great banquet for a thousand of his nobles and drank wine with them. While Belshazzar was drinking his wine, he gave orders to bring in the gold and silver goblets that Nebuchadnezzar, his father, had taken from the temple in Jerusalem so that the king and his nobles, his wives, and his concubines might drink from them. So they brought in the gold goblets that had been taken from the temple of God in Jerusalem, and the king and his nobles, his wives, and his concubines drank from them. As they drank the wine, they praised the gods of gold and silver, of bronze, iron, wood, and stone. Suddenly, the fingers of a human hand appeared and wrote on the plaster of the wall near the lampstand in the royal palace. The king watched the hand as it wrote. His face turned pale, and he was so frightened that his knees knocked together and his legs gave way. The king called out for the enchanters, astrologers, and diviners to be brought and said to these wise men of Babylon, whoever reads this writing and tells me what it means will be clothed in purple and have a gold chain placed around his neck and he will be made the third highest ruler in the kingdom. Then all the king's wise men came in, but they could not read the writing or tell the king what it meant. So King Belshazzar became even more terrified, and his face grew more pale. 
His nobles were baffled. The queen, hearing the voices of the king and his nobles, came into the banquet hall. O king, live forever, she said. Don't be alarmed, don't look so pale. There is a man in your kingdom who has the spirit of the holy gods in him. In the time of your father, he was found to have insight and intelligence and wisdom like that of the gods. King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, your father the king, I say, appointed him chief of the magicians, enchanters, astrologers, and diviners. This man, Daniel, whom the king called Belshazzar, was found to have a keen mind, knowledge, and understanding, and also the ability to interpret dreams, explain riddles, and solve difficult problems. Call for Daniel, and he will tell you what the writing means. So Daniel was brought before the king, and the king said to him, Are you Daniel, one of the exiles my father the king brought from Judah? I have heard that the spirit of the gods is in you, and that you have insight, intelligence, and outstanding wisdom. The wise men and enchanters were brought before me to read this writing and tell me what it means, but they could not explain it. Now, I have heard that you are able to give interpretations and to solve difficult problems. If you can read this writing and tell me what it means, you will be clothed in purple and have a gold chain placed around your neck, and you will be made the third highest ruler in the kingdom. And Daniel answered the king, You may keep your gifts for yourself and give your rewards to someone else. Nevertheless, I will read the writing for the king and tell him what it means. O king, the most high God gave your father Nebuchadnezzar sovereignty and greatness and glory and splendor. Because of the high position he gave him, all the peoples and nations and men of every language dreaded and feared him. Those the king wanted to put to death, he put to death. Those he wanted to spare, he spared. Those he wanted to promote, he promoted. And those he wanted to humble, he humbled. But when his heart became arrogant and hardened with pride, he was deposed from his royal throne and stripped of his glory. He was driven away from people and given the mind of an animal. He lived with the wild donkeys and ate grass like cattle, and his body was drenched with the dew of heaven until he acknowledged that the Most High God is sovereign over the kingdoms of men and sets over them anyone he wishes. But you, his son, Belshazzar, have not humbled yourself, though you knew all this. Instead, you have set yourself up against the Lord of heaven. You had the goblets from his temple brought to you, and you and your nobles, your wives and your concubines drank wine from them. You praised the gods of silver and gold, of bronze, iron, wood, and stone, which cannot see or hear or understand. But you did not honor the God who holds in his hand your life and all your ways. Therefore, he sent the hand that wrote the inscription. This is the inscription that was written. Many, many, tekel, parson. This is what these words mean. Many. God has numbered the days of your reign and brought it to an end. Tekel, you have been weighed on the scales and found wanting. Perez, your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and Persians. 
Then, at Belshazzar's command, Daniel was clothed in purple. A gold chain was placed around his neck, and he was proclaimed the third highest ruler in the kingdom. That very night, Belshazzar, king of the Babylonians, was slain, and Darius the Mede took over the kingdom at the age of 62. May God add his blessing to this reading from his holy and inspired word. Here was a man who grew up with all kinds of privilege. He had wealth, he had fame, he was the son of the king. He was a big deal. But he learned nothing. I don't mean he didn't get good grades in school. I mean he totally failed to learn from the truth that so humbled his father. I mean it was crazy not to learn from his dad going crazy. His father had been the supreme ruler, and he became like an animal for a period of seven years. Where was this guy? He was still living like a prince. And then his dad finally got his sanity back and was restored to his position and told everybody, don't be arrogant. We need to recognize that there is a God who rules over all and that what we have comes from him. And his son was like, yeah, whatever. He didn't learn. He refused to learn. And he became king and he ruled for a while. Decided to use his wealth and position to give a huge party. And there were lots of people there. And they were having a wonderful time getting drunk. After they'd all been drinking for a while, he had an idea. Let's, let's get the goblets that are gold that my dad took from Jerusalem from the temple of that great God. And my dad put them in the temple of his God. Let's get those goblets and just use them ourselves. Bring those goblets here. I want everybody to have one. So now they're taking the goblets from God's temple in Jerusalem, which had been destroyed, and they're using them for themselves. And they're having a wonderful time. Until all of a sudden, something unexplainable happens. The king can see it. The others can too, but the king is riveted watching as a 
the fingers of a hand appear near the lampstand and begin to write on the wall. He doesn't recognize the language. And what is that hand? How is that happening? What's going on? He was terrified. And he should have been. Now, you will hear, if you pay any attention in this world, well, I think the handwriting is on the wall. But tons of people who use that expression have no idea where it comes from. This is where it comes from. When the handwriting is on the wall, what that means is, what that expression means is, I think the outcome has already been decided. Okay? I, I, I think at this point, it's not a matter of devising strategy, it's a matter of recognizing the inevitable. Okay? The handwriting is on the wall. That means it's already been decided what's going to happen. The outcome is clear. But they couldn't read what it said. The king was terrified. He turned as pale as a white piece of paper. People could look at him and it was scary. And his knees were knocking together. You read the footnote on that. The suggestion is that in the original language, this may be a way of describing someone who has just soiled himself. That's how scared he was. He was terrified. And he didn't even know what it meant. He just knew this is not good. This is supernatural, and I can't figure it out. So he sent for all the top people in his kingdom who dealt with the supernatural, the sorcerers, the magicians, the enchanters, the people who made a living having contact with the spirit realm, because there is a spirit realm. It's real. But they were useless. Because they couldn't read it. They could see it. They couldn't read it. None of them. They consulted with each other. No answers. We are living in an age when that is increasingly a widespread problem. When people refuse to accept the truth, the next stage of deterioration is people get to where they don't even know what the truth is anymore. They lose what they had because they didn't use what they had. So they're no help to the king. But his mom, the queen mother, says, uh, son, don't, you, you look terrible. I know you're scared. Let me just tell you, there is a guy who your father used to count on 
and the spirit of the gods lives in him. Now, did she understand good theology? No. The spirit of the gods, she's still describing it the way her husband had described it. They don't just believe in the one true God and know that all the other stuff, not real gods. Spirit beings, yes. Gods, no. But she says the spirit of the gods lives in him. You ought to get him to come and explain it. And it's interesting that rather than calling him by the name that he was assigned by Nebuchadnezzar, she refers to him as Daniel. Because that was his name. And it didn't matter what other people called him. He still knew who he was. And by the way, you and I ought to take a lesson from that. What other people say about us does not determine who we are. What other people call you does not give you your identity. God is the one who gives you your identity. And Daniel's name was a reference to God. The L, E-L, in his name was a reference to the God who is God. And this Belshazzar name, which was awfully like, like Nebuchadnezzar's son, those names were references to a pagan deity, which is no God at all. So the queen mother says, this man Daniel, whom the king, that is your father, called Belshazzar, was found to have a keen mind and knowledge and understanding. Call for Daniel, and he will tell you what the writing means. So Daniel was brought in, and Belshazzar says to him, are you the guy? If you are, and if you can tell me what this means, you'll be rewarded tremendously. This is a promise from a man who's about to go off a cliff. Okay? Listen, buddy, I'll take care of you. You'll be number three in my kingdom. And Daniel's saying, man, your kingdom is doomed. And he tells him why. He says, you didn't learn anything. You saw what happened to your dad, and instead of learning... And saying, I don't want to repeat the mistakes of the previous generation. I don't want to be like that. I want to learn from what they went through, and I want to do it right. I'm going to worship the God who is God. No, not this guy. He was a party animal. Oh, man, was he fun. Now that he was king, he had access to everything, including the temple of his father's God. Folks like this, ultimately, they may talk about this or this or this, but ultimately, it's just self-worship. They put themselves as number one. And if you live your life thinking that it's all about you, I guarantee you the outcome has always been the same for everybody who did that. Destruction. 
Guaranteed. So, Daniel tells him, this is what happened with your dad. You refused to listen. Therefore, this is what's going to happen. Look at verse 22. You, his son, have not humbled yourself, though you knew all this. Instead, you have set yourself up against the Lord of heaven. I've said this numerous times, but I just, it just grieves me when I hear people chanting, we're number one, we're number one. Well, number one what? Okay? This last weekend, and I didn't hear them cheering this way at all, by the way. I'm not indicting them. But this last weekend, we had on campus the number one ranked girls soccer team in the U.S. They won the state championship here in Tennessee last year. And now they are, by the sports writers and all, ranked number one. They were here on campus taking advantage of our fabulous facilities and our fabulous rec staff. Isn't that tremendous? You don't know how blessed you are. They came here to do the adventure rec stuff and to do stuff down at the shelter, and it was wonderful. Okay? But they weren't ranked number one in the U.S. last year or the year before. And I hope they come out on top this year nationally. I think it'd be really cool. But that team, however good they are, are number one for a season in one sport, in one country. So on the one hand, that's a huge accomplishment. On the other hand, that is so temporary that if you let it go to your head, you're letting your head get crazy. Bill Russell just died. Who's Bill Russell? He was an old man. I think they said he was 88 years old. But they had a great picture of him with all his championship rings on his hand. Well... It was hard to get them all on there because he won 11 championships, okay? Including eight back-to-back. Wow. Wow, that's impressive. Yeah, it is impressive. NBA champ, okay? Great basketball player. Remarkable man. And did you notice the first part of what I said? He died. He died. You know what's going to happen to every top athlete? They're going to die. You know what's going to happen to all of us? We're all going to die. So the question is, what comes next, Hotshot? Are you ready to face God? Don't think for a minute that you're going to be the exception. Please understand, we all have to face him. And there's only one place of safety. 
That is in Christ Jesus. Because if you and I got what we deserve, it would be destruction. So, Daniel reads what is written to him. He says, you did not honor the God who holds in his hand your life and all your ways. Therefore, he has sent the hand that wrote the inscription. This is the inscription that was written. Many, many, tekel, parson. God has numbered the days of your reign and brought it to an end. It's over. Time's up. Most of you, because you're Americans, and many of you from rural areas, have not ever run to catch a train. I've run to catch trains. Not as much in this country as overseas. And one of the things about a train is when the train leaves the station, you can't catch it, okay? Oh, yeah, I've seen in the movies where the guy runs down the track after the train and he jumps on and he's... Yeah, I've seen that in the movies, too. It doesn't generally work because we're not generally chasing a steam locomotive anymore. I mean, when the train leaves the station, it's like... And it's gone. And if you missed the train, there's an expression for that. The train has already left the station. If you missed it, you missed it. My wife and I were in London, and um, we didn't have cell phones. I mean, there, we we owned cell phones, but they were no good to us in London. And... um, our friends were showing us around the city, and we went to get on the train following them, but the wife was literally pushed off the train by a Muslim man uh, because he wanted more room. So he, just as the doors were about to close, he pushed her off the train. Well, our friend, her husband jumped off the train to be with her and to make sure she was okay. And my wife and I, as the doors are closed and the train takes off, my wife and I are thinking, okay, we don't even know where we're going. We were just with them, okay? So now we're on the train, we've left the station, and we're trying to figure out what are we going to do? We don't know our way around London. We were with our friends who were showing us the city and we don't know where we were supposed to go next or what time they're going to, I mean, uh, I don't know their number. How are we going to, they can't call us, we can't call them, we don't know, this is terrible. But let me tell you something, when the train has left the station, the train has left the station. You're either on it or you're not on it. For Belshazzar, the train had left the station. There wasn't a way to 
undo all this. That was an ominous message. God has numbered the days of your reign and brought it to an end. Not is bringing it to an end, not will bring it to an end, has brought it to an end. You have been weighed on the scales and found wanting. That's another expression that you need to know. Weighed and found wanting. That's another way of saying you haven't got what it takes. You and I haven't seen those kinds of scales very much. In the old days, you had them in a chemistry lab. Instead of a little electronic thing, you put something on it, it gives you a readout. You, you put weights. We have a bunch of weights on our mantle, brass weights from ancient times. And, and you, you, you would put weights on this side, and then you would put what you were measuring on this side, and when you got it to balance, you knew how much you had over here. Okay? And that was done with food. That's why the book of Proverbs says that God despises false weights. Some people, in order to cheat in business or in banking, would use a weight that said it weighed this much, but it didn't really. And so you could put that weight on this side and then give the customer less than they were entitled to. Okay? That's the kind of weighing that's being described here. It's saying, you don't measure up. There was a person in some amusement park here in this country who was just furious with the amusement park because his daughter was humiliated by having to step onto a scale to see if she could ride the ride. And she was over the weight limit. And so they had to turn her away. Well, she was humiliated. Not only could she not ride the ride, but she couldn't ride the ride because everybody saw how much she weighed. She was only five pounds over. And it was like, come on, can't you, you know? And the answer is no. Why? Well, because if you run a theme park, you don't want to end up like that other theme park where they let a young man get on a ride, even though he was over the weight limit, and he died because he was over the weight limit, and the thing couldn't hold him, and he plunged to his death and was killed. So which is better, to let somebody go ahead and go, or to say, no, you can't? Well, is it better to be humiliated or dead? You know, this gal's father was angry. What about the family of the young man who was allowed to ride, even though he was over the weight limit? You think they said, oh, well, no. No, they were distraught. They were angry. What about when I took my grandchild to an amusement park and you had to be this tall and kid goes over and stands on their tiptoes and they're still not tall enough 
Well, grandpa can't do anything about that. Grandfather has to say, I'm sorry, but hopefully next year. You either measure up or you don't. Guess what? When it comes to God's standard, all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. Nobody measures up. I'm like, well, okay. These people over here, God says, you guys are good. Never sinned, have you? I'm proud of you. No. All of us have fallen short. But some people, like Daniel, and we'll see this as we go on in this book, some people like Daniel, who were very careful to do what God said, still knew that they fell short. Do you know that about yourself? Do you know that you failed to live a perfect life? Well, you know, if we've all failed, what's the big deal? The big deal is that there is one who is perfect. You've heard the expression, well, nobody's perfect. That's not true. You're leaving out the most important figure in the universe, the creator of all things. He is perfect. He is perfect in all his ways. So when we say, well, nobody's perfect, we're saying, you don't matter. Well, no, 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 I didn't mean it like that. I just meant all of us have sinned. Oh, well, okay. Because we have. But that's why we need a Savior, and that's why God provided a Savior. Belshazzar, not interested. And so God said, you have been weighed on the scales and found wanting. You don't measure up. There's not enough of you. There's an expression going around in current society. I am enough. How many of you have heard that expression? Yeah. I heard one of our sports teams during the Olympics they were sharing that that team was beach volleyball. They were sharing how that group has a Bible study together. And they had come up with a, a slogan based on their Bible study. And all of them had gotten, I think it was bracelets. Maybe it was tattoos. Maybe it was a necklace. I don't remember. But they'd gotten something as a thing of team unity based on something they had learned in their Bible study. And what it was that they'd learned and they had inscribed was, I am enough. And I thought, where is that in the Bible? So, well, it's kind of a modern way of saying, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Well, you know, if you don't have room to write that, you might want to write, Christ is enough. Okay? Not, I am enough. No, you're not. Enough for what? This guy? King. Rich. Relatively young. Famous. Powerful. About to die. You've been weighed and found wanting, God said. Your kingdom 
is divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. Given by whom? God. Who decides such things? God. If you look at what is happening in our country right now, at the people who are in leadership, and you don't realize that we are under judgment, you're not paying attention. If you look at what is happening to the world economy and international conflict between countries, and the fact that a whole lot of people are facing starvation, and the weather is out of control. If you don't realize we need to pray, you're not paying attention. You think, well, I've got plenty of food. Yeah, you live at the ranch. Okay? Thank God we are tremendously blessed here. And there's not some other country I'd rather go to where things are really good. No. The world is in serious trouble. And I pray that God's people will wake up and pray. What should we pray for? A good politician? Pray for repentance. Pray that God will change hearts and lives and draw people to himself and that folks will want to do what's right instead of all the insane perversity that is everywhere in our culture right now. We have a health crisis in New York City. Monkeypox. Ooh, sounds gross. It is. Statistically, according to the epidemiologists, it is currently being spread overwhelmingly through sexual transmission, especially among homosexual males. That's the place where it's spreading so rapidly. The thousands are now infected. <sighs> Has anybody told those guys to stop doing that? No, no. In fact, if you report what the doctors are saying about where it is spreading most rapidly, that is considered an attack on the gay community. I just have one thing I want to say in response. Follow the science. Just look. Does it occur to anybody that maybe we shouldn't be behaving like that? Does it occur to people that if folks would do what God says, we wouldn't have these problems? Or are you... Are you kind of singling them out? No, I'm, I'm not singling them out. I think given just a little more time, there, the picture in the news service is of a bunch of women holding up signs demanding the vaccine for sex workers. Oh, what a, oh, well, what's that? Prostitutes. 
The women are saying, we don't want to get it from them, so vaccinate us against the monkeypox vaccine. Well, what if we were to tell them you ought not to be doing that either? Well, who are you to judge? I'm not anybody to judge, but why should I pay for you to have a shot so that you can keep doing something that is inherently dangerous? Do you understand? We don't ask here what your preferred pronouns are. Because we speak English. Some of you are like, I, I don't even know what he's talking about. I'm so glad for you if you don't. I'm just telling you we're living in a world of insanity when the number one collegiate swimmer on all the women's teams is a guy. Okay? Don't say that. Another news story this morning. A trans woman who was a criminal. Now, trans woman means not a woman who was a criminal was put into the detention facility for women and had to be transferred out after she impregnated two of the women in the facility. How could that happen? Because no matter what chemicals you take or what surgery you have, it doesn't change who you are. It doesn't change who you are. Say, so, well, but uh, he must not have had uh, a lot of the chemicals and surgery yet. Yeah, but our current government says if this guy with a white beard decides he's a woman, everybody's supposed to say yes, ma'am. You know why? Because our government is being run by totally rebellious, God-hating imbeciles. Pastor Wood, you're getting political. No, that's not a statement that's political. That is a statement that is sane. It is insane to think you can just, and we've been saying it for years. I haven't, thankfully. But our society has been saying it for generations now. You can be anything you want to be. No, you can't. I wanted to be 6'4". I did. Well, stand tall. If I do, I'm six feet. Right now, I occasionally tell people when they're talking to me, I say, well, I think I look pretty good for 83. I do. I mean, don't you think this is pretty good for 83 years old? Problem is, I'm not 83, I'm 68. I can't just decide that I'm 83, okay? I'm not. I can't change my birth date. I could change it on a piece of paper, wouldn't change the truth. I can't decide that I am 42 years old. One more time. 
I'm not. Well, you can be anything you want to be. I was taught that in school. Well, they lied to you. Well, I think they really believed it. They may have, in which case they shouldn't have been teachers. You can't be anything you want to be. Now, you have more options than most people realize. You could be all kinds of different things. But that doesn't mean you can be anything. And so the real question for you should be, God, what would you have me do? This guy, having heard, and get this, having heard what Daniel said, apparently still didn't believe it or change his behavior. He didn't repent. Daniel said, keep your rewards for yourself. Give them to somebody else. I don't want it. The king said, put the purple robe on him and give him a gold chain. And buddy, you're now the number three guy in the kingdom. He'd just been told his kingdom is over. But he's not believing it. Because that would be stinking thinking. You know, that's negativity. I'm just going to think positive. Okay? And you're going to be number three in the kingdom. How's that? Daniel was not impressed. And before the night was over, Belshazzar was dead. Dead. And then he had to face God. He did not repent. He just tried to act as if everything was fine. And it wasn't. That is the definition of crazy. That very night, Belshazzar, king of the Babylonians, was slain. He was killed. And Darius the Mede took over the kingdom at the age of 62. The Medes and the Persians divided the kingdom of Babylon. And Darius the Mede is the next one who's going to rule there. And Daniel is still serving God. Let's pray. Father, we want to serve you. We live in a world where most people don't. They not only don't do what you say, but they're not even interested. And yet we thank you that in mercy, in mercy, you sent Jesus to save all who will believe. Help us to repent of our sin and trust in you and believe what you say and walk in the truth and we will give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen.